in a hyper-connected knowledge sharing economy, guess what? Culture is your brand. So it's great you have amazing technology and you're transforming really fast, but are you drifting away from your core values? Because if you are, all that investment is not going to yield the return on investment that you're hoping for. Today, we're talking about the secret life of digital transformation. What works? What doesn't work? The patterns. I'm welcoming back Vala Offshar. He is the chief digital evangelist at Salesforce. Together, we started CXO Talk. So, so Vala, do I say welcome to CXO Talk? Do I say welcome back to CXO Talk? How do I introduce you? Michael, it's awesome to be back on CXO Talk. Thank you for having me. Vala, you are an institution on social media. You do all kinds of different interesting things. Tell us about uh, your work. I'm the chief digital evangelist at Salesforce. Part of today's work is in the last seven years, continue to research, continue to collaborate with amazing trailblazers. You know, no matter how successful you are as a company and how you grow, there's always more smart people on the outside than on the inside. Uh, and so I have the privilege as an evangelist to work with customers and partners and MVP trailblazers and learn about how they're transforming their businesses, how they're delighting their customers and bring that knowledge back into Salesforce. And along the way, if there's an opportunity for me to share you know, some of the good work that we're doing, I'm happy to do that as well. So it's just bi-directional relationship with really smart people, folks like yourself who've been in the industry for decades, helping companies and business leaders grow. And along the way, you, you, you know, you, you stay teachable, which is an amazing, which is an amazing privilege that you and I have. Vala, it's been 10 years since CXO Talk started, and now you have your own show. What have you seen that has changed over that period of time? The technology has definitely changed. When you and I started CXO Talk, you know, it's like a simple Google Hangout. You know, I don't even think we had, you know, earpieces. And, and so today, when I look at uh, the CXO Talk studio that you have, this world-class professional studio with the best technology to enable this incredible uh, digital remote engagement. So certainly technology has evolved immensely. Um, and, uh, but what's constant, I would say, I mean, I have interviewed about 1,100 folks in, the, in that 10 year period. Uh, and uh, it was about 450 some odd shows, 1,100. Uh, and uh, the generosity, people are, uh, eager to share life lessons, leadership lessons, business lessons. Um, people are more comfortable interacting remotely today versus perhaps 10 years ago. You and I would remember we would uh, help our guests set up. <laughs> uh, I often found you doing tech support with like CXOs of Fortune 100 companies. You're like, Michael, uh, does my camera look good or how do I sound? And, you know, I, the amount of energy, the amount of calories that we would spend to ensure a smooth conversation was maybe an order of magnitude greater than uh, what it is today. So folks are more digitally savvy. Obviously, in the last three years, the pandemic really was a forcing function for all of us to be more comfortable communicating remotely. But I have to say, you know, uh, what hasn't changed is, is uh, you know, a great story can change the world. 
And in fact, I think it was Steve Jobs who said the most uh, powerful people in business are storytellers. And the privilege that you and I have had for the last 10 years is we get to sit for an hour and listen to some great storytellers who are uh, mission-driven, that they're purposeful in what they do. And frankly, for you and I to spend Friday afternoons for 10 years, <laughs> uh, because this is a time where people typically decompress and get ready for the weekend. This is Super Bowl time for you and I for the last decade. For us to commit our time this late in the week, uh, perhaps the last thing we do to close the week, means how much we appreciate the generosity and the kindness of people who are willing to volunteer their time to, 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 to learn and to also teach. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been an amazing, it's, it's perhaps my favorite part of the week. Uh, and I think it's the same for you as well. Let's talk about digital transformation. You speak with many Salesforce customers about their transformations. These are senior execs that you're spending time with. What are uh, what does digital transformation actually mean? Give us some examples of th the kinds of transformations that you see companies going through right now. You know, transformation, you know, a dramatic change. Uh, it's not tweaking and and slight modifications to whether it's a process or culture or a business model. Uh, something of, of significance. And again, this in fact is the definition of digital technologies, you know, electronic tools, systems, devices, resources to generate, store, um, analyze, and, and distribute data and information. Uh, so yesterday, for example, in higher education, understanding the student journey was a top of mind for the administrators. How do you, I mean, look, they have 100% uh, attrition four to five years with their, with their customers, students. So to be able to understand the student journey so that they can uh, you know, graduate on time, on budget, um, and 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 deliver value to these students in almost real time was the major topic of conversation. And the technologies talked about community set of technologies, social technologies, uh, machine learning technologies, so you can anticipate the needs of the students. Um, so graduating from descriptive use of analytics to diagnostic use of analytics to predictive use of analytics, and then ultimately prescriptive use of analytics. How can the faculty, administration, staff, uh, what actions they can take in real time to better engage with students in a graceful, meaningful way. At a high level, regardless of industry, when I look at companies that are achieving growth, uh, growth in revenue, growth in market share, growth in size, whether it's through acquisitions or organically, I joined Salesforce seven years ago, as you know, 2015. Uh, at that time, uh, our target was $5 billion in revenue. We're targeting $31 billion, uh, so just growth in revenue. Um, during, that, so, uh, during the pandemic, we acquired, uh, we hired 35,000 employees. So that's, you know, organic. But at the same time, 55 companies, I think about 62 billion in acquisitions uh, with, you know, uh, data visualization, API integration, social collaboration set of technologies that kind of drove the investment thesis. So regardless of size of company or geography, what I find that's what common in terms of these companies that are achieving success is the ability to, and I don't mean to simplify it to, the ability to deliver value at the speed of need. What does that mean? When you say deliver value at the speed of need, 
elaborate for that on that for us, please. You have various stakeholders. You have your employees, your customers, your partners, your communities. Uh, and so how do you anticipate your customers, your employees, your partners' needs? Um, this is why, for example, journey mapping is so important. So being able to analyze information data as close to real time as possible. And, and you know, we're working very hard at my company to make this ability real time, which is an incredible amount of energy and inventions and innovations. Uh, if you were at our annual conference in San Francisco, you heard about our uh, partnerships with companies like Snowflake, partnerships with companies like Amazon, again, leveraging hyperscalers, leveraging incredible technology in our ecosystem to be able to deliver value at the speed of need. So processing information and using that information to improve decision velocity. Decision velocity, like for example, yesterday talking to the academics, uh, you know, college and university, understanding the needs of students every single moment that they're on campus, understanding their digital footprint, their digital exhaust, understanding the courses they're taking, how they're leveraging the resources that are available to them. It's an incredible amount of technologies, combination of technologies that enable institutions to do that. And the reason why delivering value at the speed of need is because what the pandemic taught all businesses and all business leaders is that because it was a period of struggle, your stakeholders were looking for tangible benefits. It couldn't be a PowerPoint presentation or a promise that didn't come to fruition years from the moment that you were exciting your stakeholders about your capabilities. They were folks that their businesses dependent on technologies. Think about e-commerce adoption. Think about curbside and pickup at store. Think about contactless payments. What we saw in starting March of 2020, when the world flipped the switch and instantly we were decentralized, for many of us, digital only, for some of us, digital first. Again, if you didn't have physical dependency in terms of your work, you went to a period like I didn't leave my house for two years, Michael. Think about that. Someone who's traveling 50% of his time and literally that light switch when uh, our chief legal officer sends us a note of March of 2020, no more travel. Uh, and at that time, we were 55,000 employees at Salesforce, and instantly we were not able to physically engage with our stakeholders. Now, we were able to make that transition uh, over a weekend or so, a few days, because uh, the speed uh, uh, for us to, to immediately go to a decentralized model was because we were designed for movement. Uh, uh, we're a cloud company. So uh, I run the business and most of my colleagues run the business on mobile devices. And that was in, in the DNA of our company. Uh, if you're familiar with 4 by 100 relay race at the elite level, uh, the first leg is, is can be one, one and a half seconds slower than second, third and fourth leg of the race because the runner is in static before you, know, you hear the shot and you start running. Whereas the second, third and fourth, the runner is in motion when the baton is handed to you. So design for movement, again, creating a, a tech stack that enables you to work from anywhere, access information everywhere, means you're designed, you're, you're able to achieve optimal speed. So part of the digital transformation in terms of delivering value at the speed of need is recognizing the currencies that matter most today. And this is a consumerization mentality and behavior that's now in B2B as well and large enterprise is that speed, 
personalization and intelligence, those are the currencies that matter. Those are the currencies that matter to all of our stakeholders, starting with our employees. So all of these companies that I have the privilege of working with are trying to create an environment. Have you ever been to the Boston Ballet? Have you been to the Boston Ballet? Uh, you know, I, I have not, but it sounds okay. like you have. Or a musical, or a musical. I've been, um, to, I've been to musicals, yeah. Okay, yeah, so I, I took my family recently to Harry Potter and then Hamilton. We were in Broadway in New York. Um, and when you sit there and you watch dancers on stage, uh, there is an orchestra at the bottom of the stage, typically. So there is orchestration. There is a person that's conducting the music. Uh, but when you see the dancers on stage, that's choreography. There isn't, a, there isn't a leader, it's not a command and control. The dancers know the next step, next sequence because they hear the music and the music triggers where they need to be on stage and how they move. So there's a beauty and flow by just interpreting music. It's a combination of whether it's ballet or musical, it's orchestration and choreography. When we talk about technologies that enable to uh, process information in real time, improving velocity, decision velocity, speed and direction, in a way you have businesses that are now not just in a command and control. I am the uh, call center manager and I monitor which cases are looked at first. I am sales ops and I look at the opportunities that exist and decide who to call and what appointments I need to make. I'm the marketing funnel manager and I'm looking at the leads to figure out how to score it manually. That type of uh, speed will no longer be adequate in this decentralized, hyper-connected knowledge sharing economy. Mm -hmm. So digital transformation for me, when I see companies that are growing at uh, and outpacing their competition, they are embracing use of technology for more choreographed processes in within their ecosystem. So highly automated, highly autonomous, um, and, and uh, you know, with, with incredible contextual intelligence that's available to the workers so they know exactly what to do to achieve best outcomes. Please hit the subscribe button at the top of our website so you can get our excellent newsletter and be notified of upcoming shows. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have uh, some questions that are coming in. So why don't we pop over first to Twitter. And the first question is from Arsalan Khan, who's a regular listener, and he always asks these great questions. So thank you, Arsalan. And he says this. He says, how do you convince manual intensive industries to understand that digital transformation is not just about technology? that it's a business issue. I remember Michael and I interviewing Kim Stevenson, who at the time I think was um, CIO of, uh, I don't Intel. know if she was up, Intel, Intel. Intel um, yeah. yeah, it was Intel and Lenovo after, but when we interviewed her first at Intel, I remember Kim, and this is going back to CXO talk, I don't know, eight years ago. A long time ago, yeah. Kim said, there are no IT projects, they're only business projects. And that resonated with Michael and I because um, she was an extraordinary CIO, still is. <laughs> uh, and uh, so it's, it's, it's important to, to understand the impact uh, of your technology investment thesis. Uh, but that means working backwards. Uh, so instead of uh, excited about machine learning, Internet of Things, immersive technologies, blockchain, crypto, 3D printing, whatever the 
emerging tech that that's that's uh, consuming the news feed and and uh, you see at every uh, uh, you know conference that you go. I recently interviewed uh, the former chief of staff uh, for Jeff Bezos. Uh, his name was Colin Breyer. And I asked Colin, like, what's the secret to Amazon? One of only a handful of companies that had trillion dollar market cap. And he said, working backwards. He said, at Amazon, we work backwards from what, are, what do our customers need? What, what's the value that they admire most? And we then work backwards in terms of what does that translate to in terms of product, process adjustment, new business model. I mean, look at AWS when they talk about new business model. I mean, taking core IT capabilities of a company, and now it's the most profitable part of the Amazon business. So when we talk about digital transformation, in that case, it was like domain transformation. They entered and created a whole new market, uh, uh, being the largest cloud computing provider. And so working backwards, they realized that many of their customers didn't have the IT talent, processes, technologies to be able to bring new products and services to market. So, and, and, and so the way to convince, uh, and it's hard, consensus building, this is why I think transformations fail, is because they don't have the culture that, that has core values where you measure your success based on your customer success. We talk about trust being a number one core value. How do you earn trust? You know, Michael for 10 years has been consistently delivering CXO talk. Every Friday for 10 years, so there's a there's a there's a competence that's displayed because he's capable of bringing folks that can share hopefully meaningful stories with the audience, and he's reliable every Friday for ten years. So the competence piece, and then there's the character piece. There's the integrity and benevolence. Uh, this is Rachel Botsman's definition of trust. Uh, trust is competence and character. It's competence, capability, reliability. Uh, character is integrity and benevolence. And benevolence is my favorite word because benevolence is what, what motivates Michael to spend 10 years on CXO Talk. He's motivated by educating and inspiring his audience. That's it. He's not trying to manipulate. He's trying to inspire. So he's very clear about his intentions. So to answer your question in a longabout way, to earn trust with your uh, you know, colleagues horizontally and certainly uh, vertically with, 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 with folks that have higher social political capital that can hopefully be allies in your transformation journey. And it is a journey, it's not a destination, it's a journey. Uh, you have to earn trust. So you have to demonstrate reliability, capability, integrity and benevolence. And if you do that consistently, it's easier to, to earn a sponsor. Um, you know, Michael and I have interviewed uh, uh, Whitney Johnson, who has, is an incredible best-selling author, worked with Clay Christensen, Rosa Park uh, Ventures. And she talks about in your career, mentors are wonderful. Coaches are wonderful. But the best impact, the biggest impact you have in your career comes from your sponsors, people who are ahead, you know, higher in your organization and they put you know, their political and social capital on the line to advance your cause. Earn a sponsor as you're going through your digital transformation journey Earn the sponsor with trust, meaning all the four components, um, and make sure that you tie your investment thesis to business outcomes. And generally speaking, in my 25 years of being in business, I would say there's probably like four macro categories that drive technology investment, grow revenue, optimize, reduce expenses, you know, delight stakeholder experience, and then regulatory and compliance. 
I would say, frankly, if those four, those four buckets, probably 90% of your investment go into these four buckets. So make sure you work backwards and you articulate why you think this new capability is going to grow your business, reduce costs, delight your stakeholders, and potentially meet compliance and regulatory uh, needs that your business must adhere to. And you'll have hopefully less friction in terms of, uh, you know, uh, your, uh, along your, your transformation journey. Vala, I think that this issue you've just raised about trust is so fundamentally important as I have, and, and just, as, just as you have, as, as I have interviewed so many senior business leaders, the common thread is culture. As you were just describing, the importance of getting folks on the same page and how do you drive change? Well, the folks inside the organization, as well as through your ecosystem, your stakeholders, not just inside the company, right? your customers, your suppliers, they need to trust and have confidence that the change that you're talking about, A, is going to be beneficial for the company and for them. And they need to have confidence that you're actually going to deliver it and you're not going to stab them in the back. And those attributes, the trust, the, the, the confidence, the competence, the benevolence, take all of those ingredients and people will be willing to say, okay, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. To me, trust is a verb. You know, it's, it's your actions. Uh, you know, when, when your thoughts, your language, and your actions are aligned, uh, and you do that consistently, um, some people call that authenticity, but, which I think is a core element also of trust. At my company, trust is the number one core value. Um, the beautiful process at my company is that uh, we have long-spirited debates about our core values, and we do it every year, and it's open to the entire company led by our founders. So we typically have a three-day live event few hundred are in person, the entire company, so about 80,000 people now, tune into this live event. So radical transparency, because we're debating. Um, and I think it was Seth Gordon who said, people are not afraid of failure, they're afraid of blame. Imagine opening up a discussion about our culture and core values to 80,000 uh, participants. And, uh, and, and, and the beauty of it is, I think if you randomly uh, c c collided with any of the 80,000 employees and you asked them, name the five core values at Salesforce, I would be surprised not only if they, they knew all five, trust, customer success, innovation, equality, and sustainability, I would actually be surprised if they didn't say in that order. Because for three, four days, we debate the order. We debate the order. And I've been with the company seven years. For the first time last year, we had sustainability to our fifth core value because we believe planet Earth is a stakeholder. Uh, because many of our customers, sustainability is top of mind. In fact, that's how they recruit talent. If you know the company that demonstrates that transformation, digital transformation is enabling not only delivering our value at the speed of need, but also making sure that all stakeholders, including the environment, is not adversely affected. But the key thing here is that we have a process called V2MOM, Vision, Values, Methods, Obstacles, and Measurements. We, the vision and the values, the second V is those five values I mentioned. Anyone at my company can take their mobile device and go to a, a, a company directory and find the V2 mom of any employee, including our founder, 
to a full-time single contributor that may have just graduated from college and joined us 90 days ago. You have 90 days to create your V2 model. Now imagine your vision values, methods, obstacles, and measurements being available to the entire company. So it's not just having core values because it's not a signature in your email. It's not a poster in your hallway. It's not perks. Like I got a tennis you know, ping pong table in my office or I get gourmet food in my kitchen. Perks is a culture, like you said, Michael, culture is key. It's living those values and making sure that everyone understands and communicating as much possible because alignment is important. As I mentioned, design for movement is how you achieve optimal speed. You can't achieve optimal speed if you're misaligned. So how does a company, again, when I joined in 2015, we were about 15,000 employees. How does a company continue to outpace the market for the seven years I've been here, grow from 5 billion to 31 billion, 15,000 to 80,000? That's alignment. So leaders listening to this, be very mindful, be very deliberate about how much you spend your time and energy articulating the why. Why is this new technology going to help our customers and employees and communities? Uh, the how and the what, but start with the why. The why is really important. I think, I think part of building culture, and culture to me, by the way, is what happens when the managers aren't in the room. Um, now think about it, the last two and a half years, the managers haven't been in the room because you've been most likely in your house, just jumping back and forth on Zoom meetings. So in the absence of authority, are you doing the right thing for the right reason, at the right time, for the right person? If the answer is yes to all of that, you have, you have a healthy culture. You have a healthy culture. And I'm telling you, this is the most important thing because the culture is just the aggregate behavior and mindset of all your employees. Um, and in a hyper-connected, knowledge-sharing economy, guess what? Culture is your brand. So it's great you have amazing technology and you're transforming really fast, but are you drifting away from your core values? Because if you are, all that investment is not going to yield the return on investment that you're hoping for. So it's, it's culture matters, culture matters. And that radical transparency you were just talking about fits in that when you're transparent, trust can emerge. Sunlight exposes everything. It exposes the good and exposes the bad. And if there's good to be exposed, it will get exposed. Absolutely. And a part of that before we go is showing vulner your vulnerabilities. In other words, being honest. You know, yeah, being honest. And you know, to be honest with you, when you do move fast, you make mistakes. Um, doers make mistakes. <laughs> um, right. You know, smart doers make original mistakes. Uh, you know, the second time you make the exact same mistake, that, that's a choice. Um, so when you started the show 10 years ago, I mean, we had technical deficiencies, poor lighting, poor sound, poor video, perhaps even poor prep compared to what we do today in terms of making sure our guests feel comfortable, there's no surprises, there's this continuity in the conversation. There's a lot of behind the scenes work, as you know, <laughs> to produce a live one hour segment. But that's that's the, you know, we didn't, when we launched CXO Talk in 2013, we didn't claim it was gonna be perfect. We made apologies. I remember apologizing on air for difficulties we had. We still, you know, bump into issues, I suppose, hopefully for much less than 10 years ago. But still, you know, we're humans. Uh, perfect people don't exist. Perfect guests don't exist. Perfect hosts don't exist. Uh, but it's a lesson learned when you go through a live podcast. 
there's a lot of lessons you can bring back to business. Uh, and for folks that regularly watch the Excel talk, you appreciate that, you know, we do demonstrate that we're willing to show vulnerability so we can gain your trust because benevolence, because we're motivated by simply educating and inspiring you. And uh, for folks that tune in every week to listen to CXO talk, you know, I'm sure, Michael, that that's the, you know, the smart, the spark can come from you. But for sustained momentum, 10 years of a successful podcast, the flame, the heat, the energy comes from the folks that watch the show live and share with their colleagues and family and friends. And that's why we spend Friday afternoons with you. So it's it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. And on that note, Deep Condawal on LinkedIn has been patiently waiting. He's got two really, really good questions. So let's jump over to LinkedIn. And Deep Condawal says, first off, uh, research says that only 30% of digital transformation projects succeed. So what do you think are the things we should avoid in order to make our digital transformation initiatives successful? What are the obstacles and how do we fix it? It is a journey. So you fall down, you get back up. You, fall, you know, so, you know, most clients that I work with, they don't abandon projects because of setbacks. Um, you know, they refine, they iterate, and ultimately they continue to walk the path. First, so, different, so let's just be clear. Transformation, that word, I mean, I said radical change, significant change. That's, uh, that's what why. Means. I, yeah, yeah. So transformation is so often a, yeah, a tweak to so adding new software to a legacy process is in transformation. Let's just doing the same thing faster isn't transformation in, in my humble definition. Uh, so like the example of the uh, you know example of Amazon and um, AWS to me that 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 was that to me is business model transformation. That's domain transformation. Uh, I think culture comes, as, as Michael said, to me, the success factors are culture, talent. And I put culture ahead of talent because you need to have a framework, your culture, so that you know who you want to invite into your business. Uh, so you need to make sure there's alignments when you recruit to your core values. So, you, you know, a river without boundaries is a puddle. <laughs> so that's why I have culture first and I have talent and then process and lastly, technology. Michael and I are technologists. Our whole entire career has been spent around technology. Uh, but to me, it's it's the last. Now, without it, you can't be successful. So to, so to answer your questions, why they fail, digital transformation require, first of all, you need to agile workflows. You need to have bias towards uh, testing and learning. So it has to be an experimental culture where you're not uh, afraid of uh, uh, blame. And you have to have decentralized decision making. So I think most companies that are successful in this space in terms of maturity and digital transformation uh, they've they've applied design thinking principles based on flow optimization, uh, which means removing friction deliberately. In order to achieve optimal flow, you do have to have a decentralized decision making model, um, and you need to have great resilience, and you need to have an ecosystem you can lean into. If you don't have the capability, you go to your partners. So you know, we, uh, Salesforce has this thing called App Exchange. There's ten thousand companies on it. So when we need something that's not out of box. We partner with our partners in order to deliver value to our customers. Too many elements to cover in a tweetable answer, but great question. Great question. We have, a, have another question, again, from Deep Condawal. And very quickly, 
he says, what do you see are the digital transformation trends in 2023? And he asks, do you see it uh, as primarily more mature AI and machine learning solutions? So what are the trends for digital transformation coming up? Very quickly. AI is electricity for the 21st century. So if, you're not, if you don't have, not just on your radar, if you don't have in your R&D labs and part of your innovation roadmap, um, and there's 13 categories within AI. So machine learning, natural language processing, smart robotic, computer visioning, so on and so forth, the deep learning. If AI is not part of your innovation strategy, you can't compete. You can't compete. If I'm, a, if I'm looking to invite vendors to my business, the first thing I'm looking for is to meet with their AI research team and look at their AI roadmap. And if that doesn't exist, I'm not doing business with you. So electricity 21st century. Having said that, more near term, and by the way, every week you see amazing, you see amazing AI innovation. Uh, the, the, the term was coined at a conference in 1957. So we've been talking about AI for more than my lifetime. But what's happened in the last 10 years is, is mind-numbing. Um, uh, my founder, Mark Benioff at World Economic Forum said AI is a human right. Mark has never in 22 years of Salesforce spoke to a technology as a human right. So that's a whole other conversation. Please invest in that, in this space. Uh, and uh, But I would say uh, a trend that's more near in terms of wide adoption is hyper-automation. Every company that I'm working with, they're looking to uh, enhance autonomy and automation across all lines of business. So, and part of that and why AI is important is that there's a cognitive download from the workers to smart software. So a lot of the decision-making uh, is now in the software and the workers are being guided. Um, when you back up your car 20 years ago, you heard a beep, beep, beep. If you got close to something, then they installed a video camera. Now in some cars, you can auto park. So in line, uh, email uh, suggestions, auto-correct. Uh, so when you, when, you, when you think about stuff around you, there's a lot of cognitive download that's now powered by software. That's going to be a, a, an important trend next year and beyond. Another question come just come in from Arsalan Khan uh, on Twitter. Very, very quickly, like in one sentence, digital transformation is filled with jargon. How do we make it understandable for people? Smart people speak, uh, uh, use simple language. Stop, use, stop using the acronyms. Uh, articulate, and, and if it needs to be more in depth, do so. But make sure we only hear what we understand. So if you're in a room full of acronyms and you don't understand, you didn't communicate effectively, which means you don't have alignment, which means you don't have optimal speed. You're like a, a major publishing organization in your own right. Can you tell us, us mere mortals, how do we do that? How do we, how do we get followers and get people to do what you do seemingly effortlessly? I'm an immigrant refugee, so I had a silo mentality for the first 40 years of my life. I would read, I would watch videos, and I would keep it to myself, maybe share it with my direct reports or my wife. My kids don't listen to me. So uh, silo mentality, capture resources, protect those resources, and extract as much value as I could from those resources. In my 40s, essentially at the same time launch of the uh, CXO talk, I adopted more flow of knowledge. So when you next time you read something and you find joy in it, put it on LinkedIn, put it on Twitter. Uh, so the only difference, the light switch that changed in my life was sharing. Uh, how often do you read something and you're inspired by it or you watch something that inspires you? Take that extra few seconds. Often it's only a few seconds, it's not minutes. And just put it out on whatever social platform 
Um, and, 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 and as long as it goes back to the benevolence piece, my goal was never to build a large network. My goal was to educate and inspire. And I've never deviated from that. The last thing I would also say is put in the reps. I have never missed a day on Twitter for the last 10 years. Not one day, not one day. And for the last five or six years, I haven't missed a day without double digit content distributed going outbound. So imagine never missing a day and actively being on a platform from morning to night for at least the last six years, I would say double. So it's put in the reps. It's, it's, uh, it's not just, uh, you know, I'm going to do it once a week, once a month. But you have to be intrinsically motivated to do, do, to do that. You have to love it. I love it. <laughs> so if you don't love it, you can't do it. If you don't love it, you can't do it. And when I said it was effortless at the same, it appears effortless. Let me emphasize appears at the same time. I am very well aware of the amount of work and you have been doing this for as long as I've known you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, people like you inspire me because you also have put in the reps and I don't know, this is show 700 and change for you. Uh, that's every Friday for 10 years. Ooh, show I'm me tired any, thinking about it. Show me well, you look you look you look great. Show me anyone who has skin in the game as much as you do. And I promise you they're also equally successful in their endeavors. So, you know, it, it's it's you know, you have to love it and you have to find joy in it and uh, and you have to create value. And if you don't, people don't tune in uh, and you won't you don't get the great guests that you do. So congratulations on all that you've done and, and I appreciate the opportunity to be back. Uh, really, I really do. I really do. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. Fala, thank you for just being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Michael. Everybody, thanks for watching, especially those people who ask such great questions. Now, before you go, please hit the subscribe button at the top of our website so you can get our excellent newsletter and be notified of upcoming shows. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Take care, everybody. Check out CXOTalk.com and we will see you again next time. Have a nice day.